You're listening to R.O.D. coming at you live. Best which way, what, when, how? Mr. R.O.D. flip the track right now. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in on this wonderful Monday morning here in Scottsdale, Arizona. I am your host, Otto Daniolo, broadcasting live from Dave Pratt's Star Worldwide Network Studios, high above Camelback Road. My guest on the Otto D Show uh, today is this incredible multi-instrumentalist, bilingual singer-songwriter, Stanley Serrano. You're going to love this young man, and he'll be with me right after this cut from the Fervor Records recording artist, Andy Gonzalez. This is called Maria Magdalena, and uh, I want you to enjoy this. Check it out. Give me God. 
And that was Maria Magdalena from Fervor Records recording our artist Andy Gonzalez here on the Auto D Show. But it sounded a little like local singer Miguel Melgoza singing maybe, so I'll check that with Stanley when we get on here. But uh, just uh, so you know, the show is brought to you by Fervor Records, which you can find at fervor-records.com. And there's only one place.com. So thanks so much for listening. And now let's meet a young man that is so talented that as soon as he arrived in Phoenix, you started hearing his name everywhere. In fact, people were calling me saying, you got to check this kid out. And so you know something's up when a community is that excited about a new player that comes into town. So my guest... Uh, born and raised in Los Angeles, California. I'm told recorded two albums by the time he was eight years old. So uh, meet Mr. Stanley Serrano. Stanley, thanks for coming in. Thank you, Otto. It's great to I'm have exci- you. I'm excited to be here. What is this two albums by the time you were eight years old? This, that's like uh, unusual? <laughs> it is unusual, yeah. Uh, well, I started, I started singing, I think, before I even started speaking. Okay. <laughs> so my mom tells me. I think it's, they're called crying. <laughs> That's called crying. Well, she said I was like six months and I'd be humming tunes. Wow. So my parents are not musical. So I, uh, when I was five, we started working on a, on a record. It was like a Christian um, music. Okay, now we can't go from, uh, you know, crying baby in diapers. I was working on a record <laughs> when I was five. Boy, let's, let's, how, what do you mean by working on a record? Were you playing music on, at five years no, old? No, no. I was just singing. So you were yeah. singing and they had you singing on a record by the time you were five. Yeah, so uh, there was a... The music director of the church where I grew up at, he had a studio, and that's kind of what he did. He had a, he would produce music, and my parents knew about him, and they were like, why don't we do uh, a record for him? So what I started doing is, I was like three years old. I have a video <laughs> of myself at this. three, yeah, and I'm playing, and I'm singing in front of an audience, and, uh, you know, good, good crowd, 800, 900 people only. <laughs> I was just never shy about performing in front of people. I just wasn't. And it's funny because you meet my parents and they're kind of shy a little bit. Right. They're not so well, extrovert. I don't think you at three or four or five years old is aware of the audience size. You're, you're not even no. there yet. So it's no. neat that you grew up performing uh, in front of so many people right from the beginning. Right. So right. you probably never had to deal with stage fright your whole life. No, I think I, I like the attention. Right. <laughs> well, every kid does. And since you had it with such a large audience, there was no moving up. You were already there. Right. Well, I, I see talent now like like kids. And sometimes uh-huh. I you know, I tell them, sing something for me. Oh, I know. And they'll shy away. Oh, yeah. I wasn't that kind of kid. Like, <laughs> I was just, I'd, okay, you know, I'd yeah. totally bail out something for you. Whether it was correct or not, it was just, you know, that's, I guess... Uh, for the experts to judge, but um, you That's know, I, awesome. I just liked it. I liked being in front of an audience. I liked singing, and all I knew was church music. So mm-hmm. I would, I'd just repeat everything I'd listened to and just sing it. Mm-hmm. And uh, eventually, that's where my parents were like, maybe we should do. A, uh, a, it wasn't a CD; it was a tape. Right. <laughs> and we should do a tape for him, and and so we went to the studio. I remember being in kindergarten. Like towards the end of my kindergarten, this blows years. me away. Yeah, and we were going to the studio, and I remember going to his studio. He had it in an apartment. Uh-huh. Uh, the producer's name was Eddie Soto, and okay. uh, it's from, from Chile, amazing musician. And I remember going in, and I remember saying, 
I would love to do this when I grow up. <laughs> like I just loved. He used to have all these keyboards and like you know just all this equipment. And I was like, I would love to do this. And I just remember like you know, he would have he would arrange everything and and uh, I would just sing it and I'd be like, wow, this is cool. This. And then I remember taking my. So I have glimpse of that memory, but I also remember like in our breaks, you know, in between takes or whatever, I would go outside and just play. Right, right. <laughs> he would need some time to work yeah, apart. Yeah. Go, go play. Right, yeah, because yeah, it was still the reel to reel. I still remember the reel to reel, and mm-hmm. I, and uh, it's like a half inch tape yeah. or whatever, eight and, track half inch or something maybe. Yeah. 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 Or actually, you're young enough. It might have been a sixteen track half inch. They they made all, right before tape disappeared. It was getting pretty pretty fancy. Yeah, it was like uh, I want to say it was eighty. I want to say 88, 89, yeah. around there, yeah. yeah. So, That's when I moved to Arizona. There you go. I was still in California. Still in California, three years old, cutting records. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I love that you walked in so young and uh, and saw the environment and thought, oh, I want to do this. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I've never lost that focus. I still want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> You're still doing this. Well, and speaking of losing the focus, uh, just to jump off track a bit, uh, have you had professional jobs unrelated to music in your life? Or have you always just done music? Uh, I did. I did a stint. I mean, I was a vacuum cleaner salesman for a few months. I did a stint for about a year and a half at a like a motorcycle association. Uh-huh. That's the only job I ever had, and the reason I got it was so I can uh, make enough money to buy my laptop, sure, and buy gear. <laughs> and as soon as you had it, you I quit. Yeah, and what was crazy is is uh, I was so not used to the nine to five job. I was supposed to go in at eight o'clock, and I was walking in like at eleven. I don't think a lot of people like me for that, but mm-hmm. I used to win them over. I used to serenade like the my coworkers <laughs> so that they loved me. That they kind of like they would like kind of turn a blind eye at the fact right. that I was the only one walking in like super late. And it's, then it's I'd be funny. on the road and be like, I, I did it for that was the only time I had probably a serious okay non related. I think it's always funny to find them the jobs that musicians do have, you know, on 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 and off through their career, right. And recently, uh, J. David Sloan was on the show. He was, uh, he's an older gentleman who's been in town forever and ever and ever, and he just got inducted to the Arizona Music and Entertainment Hall of Fame. And um, <clears throat> it's just funny, you know, he quit. He, he hadn't gotten to where he wanted to go by the time he was 30, and he said, if I wasn't there, I was going to quit. And, of course, he'd already had a record produced by Waylon Jennings at that point, well. but he didn't become this level of star that he had anticipated his career going to by 30, so he just quit. And he moved to Phoenix doing construction, building apartments, and next thing you know, Waylon brings him in to start working at a club and he ends up buying the club and you know it's just his whole career is back in music again wow. so it's like you can it's funny that these musicians go to get jobs but music just takes them back it's like you, ha- you come over here <laughs> you it, belong over here yeah it does yeah. I, especially if you're fearless yeah because I've seen musicians also like just get the fear right you know it's just that fear of oh my god what's going to happen they, they they have to know what's next and mm-hmm. I'm okay with not knowing what's next I yeah. like I like taking it as it comes, you know. I mean, you know, I, there is some planning. I like to make sure everything's cool because I got a family. But other than that, I do love, you know, riding the wave, man. That's, yeah. I think that's the fun of this career. It is. Sure. It's not 9 to 5 every day. You're not in the same room every day. You're not, every day is a little different. That's exciting. It really is. Yeah, well, I think for me, having that job was kind of nice. And it was a focus because I'd, I actually had a, a printout of the laptop I wanted to get. That was the whole reason I got I the job. I just love that. And so I had it in front of my desk. I was doing monkey work. I re- really was. I was just doing like sure. putting envelopes and sending it out. And uh, and I just had that thing and I, I kept looking at it and I was like, I need to get that laptop. It was a MacBook, uh, mm-hmm. a MacBook Pro. The mm-hmm. What is it? The <laughs> 
It was like the 2005, or right. 2004. 17, 18, I still have it. I cool. still, it 12. Okay. Oh, it's 12. One. I got a small one. That's all you needed. I did a record on that. That's that's those, that clip I sent you or whatever. Oh, fantastic. That was made on that laptop. So. Yeah, we'll be listening to that. Yeah. So tell me now, when did you first start playing instruments? So I was uh, six or seven. I started playing drums. I was like, I was fascinated with drums. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I loved it, and I was like very passionate about it. Mm -hmm. Anything that I can put my uh, pencils to, or mm -hmm. hit it to, and my fingers, and just kind of like tap, I would do it. And mm -hmm. so I just played drums, and I started playing it by ear. And um, as it's funny because my parents planned on this record, but they didn't really know what to do with it. They're not salespeople. Sure. That's not an uncommon experience for artists. Right, right. So we just had all these tapes lying around, and I was like, okay, what's next? But oddly enough, uh, I would start getting calls, and it started becoming a thing where every weekend I was traveling somewhere, whether it be in California, at, local. Or, at this age? Yeah. Holy cow. And so um, eventually got to a point where we started, uh, we did three summers in a row. We did a whole tour, like in Puerto Rico. And they took us out there, and we just went through the whole island singing. I would sing, and sometimes I would sing three times a day. And, and who was with you performing? Uh, my brother. I have okay. a, a younger brother. A uh, younger brother? Two years younger, yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm the oldest, yeah. Okay, and so when you did these tours, how old were you? Uh, it was probably like seven. Seven, eight, six, with seven. a younger brother. And who else? And my parents. Okay, so they were on stage as well playing, or they weren't, no, they weren't no, playing? No, So no, it was no. just you and your brother, but your parents were traveling Tracks, with you and, yeah. and making everything happen, yeah, arranging yeah, everything. Yeah, making sure everything was cool. And, what and a wild life. Most it, kids just don't dream, never reach there, and they dream it their whole life. Yeah, it really was interesting, and just seeing, uh, I don't know, just seeing something different other than my little ghetto town in L.A. <laughs> have you ever gone back? Yes. Yes, I have. I mean, in a different capacity yeah in a different capacity and as a sideman okay uh, you know I, I did go back to some of these places and um it was just different it was just, you know right. different light different you know sure a whole different perspective it is yeah and i i appreciate it too you know i'm, I'm very open to um seeing how people because even in our latin culture even though we all speak spanish it's just different it's mm -hmm. just you know um, how they view life is different. Mm -hmm. How they even say their colloquials and their mm -hmm. idioms sometimes is different than how it is, you know, growing up in LA or in LA. And LA is such a melting pot as well. I mean, my parents are Salvadoran, mm -hmm. and uh, there's the Mexican culture, there's a uh, Central American culture, Guatemala. The, so everyone has like their styles, their food, their mm -hmm. their way of viewing life is just it's interesting. Mm -hmm. yeah, so it's kind of nice. I like it. Now, you mentioned going as a sideman. Who were you with? So, again, just all Christian Latin artists. Okay. And I started out at 16, um, like started getting paid in travel for this uh, gentleman. His name is Gamaliel Ruiz, and I started with him. I was with him for five years, and that was kind of like my school of uh, just honing down on the craft. And, you know, it'd be like eight, nine-hour rehearsals and mm -hmm. just really tightening the concept of the band and sounding tight as we can and and we started hitting the road and doing those kind of road trips where we stay in people's houses mm -hmm. eat whatever was available and just you know really trying to like do i that. did smaller versions of that where we all on a van you know you'd stay anywhere but we wouldn't we weren't leaving very far we were going <laughs> you know away for three days driving yeah. through the midwest but, right 
But man, we, when we, you're a starving musician, we, it's tough. We did that here, and then I had a Corolla, and we used to just cram ourselves in a Corolla. Yeah, <laughs> and hopefully you'd meet somebody at the club that would let you crash at their pattern and sleep in the car if you didn't, you know? Yeah, we did that in Mexico, and that's kind of hard. <laughs> in Mexico City, I, I have a big love for Mexico because um, I got to know that country so well. And we used to drive in, like, taxis. Mm -hmm. And their taxis were, like, VW Bugs. Right. And it'd be the four of us plus the guy taking us around, mm -hmm. all cramped. And then they they wouldn't have the front seat, so we'd be all cramped with our CDs, with our instruments. I'd be sitting in someone's lap because I was the thinnest one, <laughs> the youngest one. <laughs> so I'd be like, "Oh man, so uncomfortable for like two, three hours." And but what like, an oh. education! It really was. It yeah, really was. It's amazing. Now, do you still play drums? Uh, not as often as I would like. <laughs> but but once in a while, I mean, if yeah. you you know you'll sit down and yeah yeah. Uh, last time I. Some, uh, I think it was like a church gig or whatever. And okay. I was like, just give me an, a week to like... To warm up again yeah. and kind of get it back. Well, most people that I talk to think of you or know you primarily as a bassist, but I've seen you out as a singer. I've seen you out playing guitar and playing bass. Actually... Uh, what's I, your primary? Do you have a primary? Bass. Okay. But, uh, and... and <laughs> I, I want to be honest, a lot of people don't even know I play bass here in town. Really? Yeah, because I've all I've done is play guitar but and the, sing. But the music people who, who know, because I yeah. think when you came to town, it was like, what a great guitar player. And he goes, well, it's because he plays bass. Watch what he's doing. All right. Because right. you would you would really, you're so familiar with bass uh, that you couldn't play guitar without a bassist, so you just took his place. And you play them both kind of on guitar. Kind of, yeah. Sometimes. I'm very rhythmic when it comes yeah. to that. Yeah. And so uh, that was pointed out to me, actually, by Mike Florio, when the uh, first time I saw you playing with Mike. Yeah. Because there was no bass player on the on the gig. No. It was over at the Valley Ho, but it was oh, like, yeah. it sure sounded like there was kind of a bass player <laughs> in the gig, you know? I like looping the bass sometimes and just yeah. kind of playing. Yeah, that's kind uh, cool. Well, what happened, too, is that I was living here for a while, but I was touring. So mm -hmm. I started meeting all these cats. I, you know, I remember meeting Mel, Mel Brown up at the... Yeah, Mel's a good bass player. Oh, yeah. He's, he's really good. And just, you know, that friendship just kind of like yeah. I would go see him and, and he knew what I was doing but I never really played in town, you know? And then when I started playing in town, we, we started a trio with Miguel called Soul Track Union. And it was around the time he did his first record because we produced it at my house and we tracked it at my house. And um, so we started working, but he had a friend bass player um, who was in his previous trio that he had. And so he goes, well, what do you think you could do? I go, well, I'll play keys and guitar. So that's what I did. <laughs> I just carry around my keys and the guitar. So a lot of people saw me with that because that was your introduction kind of to the market that was it and so they just kind of see me as you know guitar players and so it wasn't until later okay well last weekend or, or the weekend i week or, or so ago uh i saw you at uh the sanctuary mm -hmm. playing bass mm -hmm. and i have to say uh, i pointed out to emily who was with me at the time that the way your body moved when you were playing bass I said, why? You can tell he's a bass player. Just look at this. Because uh, a lot of times when a musician is really playing their instrument that, that resonates with them, it's kind of like it controls their body. Mm. And certain lines you would play would change how you stood and where the bass went, and you were accommodating it right. you know, as much as it was accommodating you. And that's exciting to watch happen to a player while you were playing and singing, you know. Uh, and you have a fantastic voice, by the way. Thank so you. It was uh, it was really really fun because that's actually the first time I've seen you play bass. Yeah. Because I've only seen you as a guitar player, but thought of you as a bassist. Right, 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 <laughs> yeah. right. Just not, not a lot of people have seen me play uh, bass actually. Yeah. And uh, a couple of weeks ago, I had Mel Brown come in at the casino, mm -hmm. and uh, Sunday nights have become kind of like a fun uh, night. Which which casino? 
talking stick. Okay. I, like in the Orange Tree, are you up there? Or no, no, the or? main, the main lounge, Downstairs, main okay. bar. And um, I have Lamar actually with me on, okay. on keys and and Smurf on drums, and it's just become kind of fun because I bring my bass and I just sing all night. And so uh, Mel Brown surprised me, and he's like, "Man, I've never seen you play bass and sing before." Like it was just kind of. It was kind of cool, and I was like, yeah, not a lot of people have seen it. It's tough to do. I came up as a singing bass player, but not playing bass like you do. I mean, we would do. We were doing Kansas and Journey and pop rock stuff. Oh, but when so. you're doing those counter melodies and you're singing something, it's a, it's really difficult to be a singing bass player. Yeah, I, I still have to be I have to be focused. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot more work to me than, than playing guitar and singing. Yeah, yeah you're right. Uh, this, you know, sometimes I, I don't do a good job. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I don't know about that, but I think I can certainly say that I can relate to, to how difficult it is. In fact, when I do shows now of my music, and actually Mel is my bass player when we play out. Oh, that's cool. And, and the biggest reason was I learned all of my songs singing and playing on bass because I was going to be the bass player in my band until I came to one song where I'd done it in the studio and I could not play it and sing it. So I said, screw it. I'm going to play all my songs on guitar and get a bass player for the show because <laughs> I can't do that one and sing it. Yeah. Uh, so it's kind of, it's difficult. It can be really, really tough. Yeah, I, I admire Sting. I do too. I admire drummers who can sing too. Paul McCartney. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's just, you know, I I see them and I'm. I I saw an interview once with Sting and Sting was saying that he has to go and rehearse his stuff, playing bass. Yeah. Some lines. And he says he like he like literally like slows it down. <laughs> That's right. And he starts there like he yeah. says he has to like go and pretty much break it down. Learn how to play the bass and sing his own songs. Yeah. Because in the studio, you know, you break it down and it's like yeah. you know, bass parts, whatever, and then singing. And he'll worry yeah, you about have to later. marry the parts into a physical experience, and you have to break it break it down moment by moment. To does this syllable happen before this note? Correct. And you really have to line them up and then speed it back up again. That's Correct. I mean, that's what I would do. And yeah, it's yeah. it's so much work on some of those phrases. And when you get through one of those, you you really feel like you float off the ground and you come apart and then you come back together. Yeah. it's weird. No, no, I know what you it's mean. Yeah, I totally know what you mean. Yeah, well, Thursday for me when I saw you at the sanctuary was kind of like that because we were all kind of uh, playing music. I, I've never done a full night of Latin music like that. Like uh, it was. Oh man, it was so much fun. The place was packed. It really was fun. And and this was Miguel's project, so Miguel put this together, and right. he was like. I want you to play bass and then you know just do some you know songs and we did some songs that we've never done that kind of rhythm to but that was the whole point of the night so it was really like challenging like you know just making sure i wasn't falling flat in my face that was that was the whole thing <laughs> it had to be fun you guys going to do that ensemble again soon it seems like uh, they want to do a once a month thing there okay. so it's kind of it's kind of nice it was nice to play loud at the Jade Bar for yeah, once. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, and it was loud and it was good it was <laughs> yeah. a lot of fun and what i thought was interesting is people weren't leaving they were hanging around for a long time. The place stayed packed, and you had dancers on the floor all night, too. So, yeah. Which I hate at that place. Like, get out of my way. <laughs> Sit down. I'm trying to watch the band. <laughs> you know what's funny? I, I've kind of noticed uh, in the last year and a half, I want to say, maybe a year and a half, uh, a shift in people appreciating Latin music, which is kind of, I'll have sometimes I'll be playing all night, and I'll play you know a certain type of music that I know will get people normally dancing, and nothing. Mm -hmm. And then I'll do like a little just test of Latin music, and then it just gets right. packed. Yeah, and like something's happening in the scene. Something's happening how people li are listening to music. Yeah, I agree that it's uh, I, it's kind of interesting to watch from my perspective because I remember no, you know, they'd be like, no, don't do any Spanish, don't right. do any. Uh, you know what I think, and it's probably completely wrong, but to me, it's almost like they can ignore anything that they're used to hearing, but any kind of a Latin vibe sounds like I'm on vacation. 
Mm. It changes the vibe. It, it's it's attached to party in Mexico. It's attached to going to Cabo. It's attached to going to Rocky Point for Arizona folks. Right, right, right. It's attached to vacation. Mm. You start to do that, and they feel a little differently than when they're just listening to a cover song or, or stuff that they normally would hear in Scottsdale. Right. So I think that's part of the impact up here. I think. Yeah, I never thought about it. Could be wrong. That's could just good. be you're so incredible <laughs> when you switch over to that that everyone just, just pulls to the floor. <laughs> Listen, let's talk about Incredible. Let's play one of your cuts uh, off of the record. What was the title of the CD? Because I didn't actually write that down. La Razón, which means the reason. The reason. Okay, great. And should we play El Sol, or would you like to play, um, was it Lagrimas, is it? Lagrimas, which Lagrimas? means tears. Let's do El Sol, which okay. means the sun. Tell me a little bit about that one. So it's kind of a, a hope, um, you know, traveling with all these, all these countries that I, I got to visit. I would see, you know, people are warm. But, but you can you can feel just the the struggle, you mm -hmm. know, and it's just kind of like that. It's just a, a picture of um, seeing people struggle, but just kind of giving them hope. There is hope. Tomorrow's another day. Um, there is a way out. There mm -hmm. is there is a, a brighter future than what you've you know grown up to. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's kind of like that's the whole reason behind the, the El Sol. And Fantastic. Yeah. When did this record come out? Oh, seven. <laughs> okay. So it's time for you to do another one. It is time for me to do another one. Now, this one is in Spanish. It's in Spanish, yeah. So I could leave your mic up so you could like, t but no, ruin the whole vibe. <laughs> Start translating. Yeah, but really, you know, music is music. And uh, you can you can always feel and tell what something's about, whether you know the words or not. Yeah. And most people in Arizona are getting, becoming bilingual these days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So our Arizona audience would be okay with it. <laughs> so, uh, I hope so let's check it out. This is Stanley Serrano with El Sol.
And that was El Sol from Stanley Serrano here on the Auto D Show. Incredible track. I really love that. Thank you. Tell me a little bit about who's playing on that. Uh, I have my brother playing drums on that. Mm -hmm. And then uh, I have a friend of mine who we kind of grew up together playing. I've known him since kindergarten. Mm -hmm. Uh, His name is uh, Jose Pineda. We call him Chepe as, as a nickname. And uh, he, I flew him out, out here and just kind of did all the guitar parts. We were when we started traveling. He, he played all the guitar parts. Yeah, all the like lead guitars. I did all okay. the acoustic and all the bass and the keys and mm-hmm. stuff. But uh, he did all the electric on that that album and okay. just a very melodic guy. And we come from the same kind of uh, thought and music. And mm-hmm. all the three of us, we grew up together. So like um, when we started playing, we were the. It was the three of us dreaming about touring and. We would uh we would go on so at church you know we were young, they wouldn't let us play in the in the main service on Sundays, so we figured out on Saturdays, <laughs> on Saturday morning prayer at six in the morning none of the musicians would show up, just a guy <laughs> with the acoustic guitar, so our mind was like this is our time to go play, so literally I just I, can't believe you man this is awesome uh, I was just so driven and yeah. and I would wake up my parents like let's go and how old are you. At probably like 11, yeah. 10, 11. Yeah. yeah, I just love it. And so I, I would like wake up, I woke up my parents, and then I would go pick up my friend in, in downtown LA. I'd make my parents go pick him up, and then we'd go to I church. We'd play with this guy. And then in LA, because our church was in LA, we had to put the instruments away. Mm-hmm. 
and lock it up because it was you know right. it was pretty da- dangerous and a lot of stuff would go missing. Mm-hmm. So we would tell them, hey, can you leave it open for us? We we're just gonna stay here all day playing, and they would they would leave it open for us, and we would spend hours. I mean, when I'm talking about hours, I'm talking about my fingers would bleed. We play so much, just play, 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 and our, our whole idea was just to like tighten up mm-hmm. our craft and just play. And so the three of us was how we started traveling, being a sideman for people. It was just, you know three of us and. It's kind of cool, man. It's just fun. I think it's awesome. Yeah. It's an incredible story. Uh, most people, when they talk about, you know, their band was together since they were young, they're usually, they met in, in high school or maybe maybe in grade school. But to think, you know, we were three, four, and five years old going, we're going we're gonna to be in a band. <laughs> That's what we're going to do. We all love music. And it's just awesome. I, you know, I, you know how many people are like, oh, I want to be a policeman. I right. be a, I, I just, this year... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Every year a kid changes their mind. I really had a focus. I I knew music was uh-huh. it. Like I did nothing deterred me from it. Well, um, you've you've had an opportunity to do a lot. You've done recording since you were three, and you know, now you've recorded your own record. Uh, and obviously, there's more than just playing. So there's writing involved. Yeah. Then there's r- actual recording engineer duties, which mostly seem to be covered by the laptop and. You know, yeah. uh, plugins these days, and then there's the producer responsibilities, which are also deciding when something is good enough. And then there's the mixing, which is a mix of kind of producing and engineering to to do the mixing. Did you function in all of those capacities as well on this record? So on that one, I wasn't, I didn't have the the balls <laughs> to go into the mixing yet. Mm-hmm. So I, I I hired a friend of mine from uh, from Hermosillo. He mm-hmm. lives now in San Diego, but mm-hmm. he was Hermosillo, Sonora, Mexico. His name is Gustavo Glaus, and he he had a nice studio out there with a nice uh, Trident board. You know. Well, I'm really happy to hear that because I was going to be so upset if you mixed that record. <laughs> I thought that sounds incredible. He, I can't believe that he just did everything, you know, that well. So that does sound great. It did a really nice job. Right. I was I was trying. I've been trying to work because I do love the engineering part. So and it's, I, it's it's t- it's training just like everything else. It really takes years training your ear to kind of get balances and blends right and tones yeah. right. So uh, my first full album mix I've ever done is uh, Miguel's first record. Okay. Self titled record. Okay. I, I mixed that one. Oh, fantastic. And so that one was like, uh, because of a lot of the challenges we had, you know, like um, where we tracked it, how we tracked it, how it came out, some of the guitar stuff. So just decisions. You know, now I think about them like, man, we could have gone this way, could have gone that way. But just stuff I've learned, you know, throughout the years. Sure. I used to have like two, uh, an old 2R and then like two 828s, uh, small two, whatever. Oh, yeah. It's for all the geeks out there. Anyways, uh, (laughs) and just. Hey, you know something? The O2Rs, like the O2R96? Yeah. I think most kids coming up today don't have a clue what that is, and that's actually a really nice little desk. Yeah, it is. You can find them on eBay for six hundred bucks. Oh my goodness! I spent. I think I bought the first one for seven thousand dollars. Oh my goodness! And most kids will go spend two thousand dollars for a nice preamp in their house because they don't know they can get sixteen pretty decent digital preamps right, for six hundred bucks with a desk, talkback system. I mean, I'm not trying to promote them, but I know. I know what, what you a mean. great home system still it is. out there. Now the new version, they kind of merged the uh, right the mm-hmm. what, what is it the what was the other desk that they had? The the DM two thousand. Oh right, 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 right. That was a nice desk. Yeah, too, it was too. Yeah. I like that. And they kind of merged the old two R and the DM yeah. two thousand, and just kind of made a whole new version of. Yeah, but they're not six hundred bucks. No. So <laughs> those used ones are still out there, really inexpensive. So it's kind of cool. They're kind of nice though. I like those. Uh, yeah, I mixed. Uh, I, I mixed a bunch of stuff. I had a home studio for a while while I had a professional studio, and I had the O two R at the house, and it was it was brilliant. You the, know? The 96? Uh, I had the first one, then I had the 96 yeah. as well. I had the first one. The first one was a little troublesome. It was. 
if you, some of those faders would like get stuck a little bit. More. Well, and if you engaged a lot of processing yeah. when you hit playback, its processors couldn't do it, so it kind of skipped a lot of stuff. So it started sounding really muddy and washed, and you wondered why. But you solo, it sounded great. All right. So then I realized, oh, it needs more processing power to keep up. A lot. But they did with the '96. It really came around. But yeah. you know, I think this is the first time I've ever talked gear on the, on the show in three years. That's not a bad thing. I actually like talking gear. I can yeah. sit there and talk gear for. You know, me and my friends, especially gearheads, we like uh -huh. to talk gear and just kind of get into. It. I don't know. You know, I don't. I'm a I'm a, I'm a geek <laughs> for engineering, though. I, I really I do like, like. I like how things sound, and when I like how something sounds, I tend to remember what it was. Mm -hmm. But um, I'm I've never been one to go. Let's just play with this and see. And I don't have the patience for that. I'd rather say, play it differently. I, I'm so much drawn to the music that I'm kind of like, you know what? If you have a good song and you play it well. Any of this gear is going to be incredible. Correct, correct. Well, so I, I don't get I don't get lost in it. I I appreciate it. I enjoy it, and I know when I feel like it is an important moment for it. But I've also been on records where, you know, the producer made me run every drum machine, kick drum through every preamp in the house to decide which one sounded best. And I'm kind of like, well, when you put the whole song together, you probably change your mind. But you were making this decision on the way in, and I think you can kind of get lost in the tech of it sometimes. I agree with you. I, I'm not one for being patient enough to right. talk. And when I say gearhead, I'm just like, I, I go, okay, this is what I have. Mm -hmm. These are my tools. What can I do with it? It's right. like, you know, this is a car I have right now. Yeah. What, what am I going to, I'm going to do the best out of it, go to my gigs, pack it up as much as I can, pack my family, uh -huh. go on vacation, whatever. <laughs> this is a car I have. I'm not just not going to sit there going. Okay, you mentioned you know. two things, gigs and vacations. Um, <laughs> when So one thing is, uh, see if I can remember both of these thoughts as we go through here. Go for it. Gigs, you've played a lot in North and South America. You've played the Americas. Have you been outside of uh, the American continent? I haven't, no. And I, one of my dreams is to go to Europe. And so we've got to conquer Europe still. We have to, yes. And you it. haven't been to Africa or you haven't been to Australia, any of these places? No, 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 no. I haven't. Uh, I haven't visited any of the old world. I, I would love to, though. Okay. I would love to go to a country where I don't know the language. That would be kind of nice. Wow, that'd be fun. That would be fun. I mean, just, you know, the, the advantage of, Knowing Spanish is like if any parts of Latin America right. I go to, I can understand. You can kind of get around, yeah, yeah, no problem. But uh, you know, when going to a country where I really, I'll be like, what? Yeah, <laughs> Google Translate everything. <laughs> That's a nice. tricky thing. You know, the Google Translate's like cheating. I hate that. Yeah, uh, I went to Italy and I really practiced learning Italian before I went. And I get there and nobody could understand a word I said because the dialects are so strong. Right. And everywhere we went, it's like not a word. It was completely different. <laughs> and they didn't understand English, so I'm like. Oh, well. I would love to go to Italy, man. I, I, I've been a, a number of times. It's just beautiful. I love it. I know? would love to go. I love the food. I love the culture. I love yeah. the language. Uh, even for our wedding, when I got uh, yeah. my wife and I got married, that's what we had Italian, Italian awesome. food. That's awesome. Well, we'll have to get you to Italy. <laughs> yeah. And then I wanted to ask you from a vacation. When you said vacations, the first thing that popped in my head was inspiration. So, in other words, when you quit the grind a little bit and you get away with the family, and relax. Do you start to get inspired music with musical ideas, or does it go away until you come back to work? Uh, I like refreshing myself. I, mm -hmm. I do get inspired. I, I do. I do feel like I, I come back with a new freshness, and you know, weird things inspire me. Rain mm -hmm. inspires me. Mm -hmm. Cloudy days inspires me. Mm -hmm. But a sunny day at the beach inspires me as well. I love the beach. Like, you know, I, I live in Phoenix. It's a desert, so obviously it's sunny. But when it's raining and cloudy here, I get excited. Yeah. And most people get depressed. <laughs> I, I do not. I, know. <laughs> I get excited. It just it wakes me up. I want to be up in the morning and I want to drink my coffee. I just want to do something, you know, like uh -huh. it just does. And then this much sun makes only s that much sense if I was by the ocean. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Other than that, it just doesn't yeah. make sense. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. As a writer, have you had an opportunity to co-write with people? 
Yeah. And what's what experience do you prefer? Co-writing or do you prefer writing on your own? Um, I, I think I like the co-writing uh, just because uh, the feedback. Mm-hmm. So this new record I have pending. <laughs> you mean in development? In development, yes. And it's it's sitting there on my computer with all <laughs> the ideas. Until you get it done. <laughs> Until I get it done. You know, uh, That's I the worst thing about home recording. We don't have a deadline. And right. so we're never done because we always have more we want to do. Well, there's a lot of things, too. Uh, after I stopped touring, I started singing a lot, which mm-hmm. is going back to what, what I started doing in the first place. Right. Because when I was on the road, I wasn't really singing. Right. It's a side band you were playing. Yeah. Just playing and directing the band and yada, yada, yada. But um, coming back and singing, I'm singing like six nights a week sometimes, and mm-hmm. seven, eight sometimes. And and I've really gotten to know my voice. Mm-hmm which is something I had forgotten, you know? I mean, it's just like practicing. To me, singing is the hardest one I can do. I Playing bass is, I, I don't think about it. Guitar, think about it a little more. <laughs> but singing, I, re, I, I try to focus on the little notes, you know, those little drop-off notes. Yeah. When beginning, you know, and I can't stand it when I, I come in, I'm like, oh, that didn't sound good. And I, that's always going through my head because I'm thinking about every little note because it's hard. How far along are you with this project? When when should we expect it? I'm, I should, pu- I'm putting you on a, I'm putting you on yes, a you soft are. deadline here. Yes, you are. You know what? Uh, coming here is actually the whole ride here. I was like, oh, babe. I was telling my wife. I was like, oh, my goodness. It's I, been since 07. I really should I have had that record. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, it's it's a lot of things. Number one, I have, you know, I have been trying to uh, get back on my singing and get it to where I, I feel comfortable. I think I'm, I'm there. Yeah. I, I feel more confident than I've ever been mm-hmm. as a singer. And uh, just knowing what, what, what I have to say, you mm-hmm. know, as a as a singer, and um, and then her and I, we started writing some stuff. Uh, she's pretty good with lyrics, and who's she? My wife. That's oh, my, oh my this wife, lovely lady sitting here. I, with us. I, I forget we're in podcast; no one can see us. <laughs> yeah. This lovely lady sitting next to me. She's she's my rock. She's my biggest motivator. And when you know when I feel discouraged, she's the one encouraging me all the time. She's like, yeah. "Come on, come on, you can do it. You can. Yes, you can." And, I'm just like wow. Like it's it's wonderful to have that as an artist, as a creator. It's wonderful because it's you're, you're filled with self doubt because you're constantly analyzing your your work and comparing it, and you can get just run down. You can run yourself down. Oh my goodness, uh, we think about it too much. Yeah, and it's wonderful to have that supporter who just to, loves what you do and keeps that fan behind you. Go, go, <laughs> just go. Yeah, <laughs> and, and and sometimes I have to, you know, just kind of like. This is what I have. Let's release it, and then the next one will keep growing, keep growing, keep growing. You know, just I. She's always reminding me, hey, there's always room for growth. Just what you have to say now, just release it. You know, mm-hmm. and so she's a big encourager. So, do you guys have any kids? We do. Yeah, we have a 20 year old son. Okay, and he's going to ASU studying computer science, and uh, he's a bright, bright boy. He's not a drummer. He's a keyboardist, he and, a keyboardist. Uh, and a bass player, and you know. Oh, so the music kind of got in him too, huh? Yeah, and it was it was cool because it wasn't like something that pressure. I don't think it was like pressure. It was just like I remember he came in. And said, I would like to learn bass, so I started teaching him how to play bass. And then uh, one Christmas, I got him a keyboard because I told my wife, I go, you know what? I think he'd be a pretty good keyboard. It just the way he thinks, and mm-hmm. you know, it's just very cerebral and just very. You know, I, I find keyboard players to be probably the smartest one in the band. I, I don't know. It's just Most music directors tend to be keyboard players. They really understand music, and learning piano is the best way, I think, to visualize Correct. the relationships of all the notes and chords. And yeah. They find a lot of those guys, yeah. So I, I, one Christmas, I got him a keyboard, and I taught him, you know, the chords and everything. And 
he's taken to it like more than anything else. Like he's just cool. so he's always working, programming. That's like, that's always been his thing since he was a kid. Mm-hmm. And uh, but his outlet when he needs to just like you know um, n- not be so brainy, I guess, mm-hmm. and try to be creative. He gets on the keyboard. Does he ever sit that. in with you? Uh, so we did a. I was doing this church gig uh, for a bit, and it was just me on acoustic guitar, and I had him play with me, but not at a gig. No, maybe once he turns twenty one, <laughs> and he could come to some of these places, he, yeah. he'll be able to. Oh, cool. Well, yeah. what do you got coming up next? Anything uh, exciting? Exciting. Uh, you know, sometimes I I do get excited about playing with people. I have uh, next month I'll be playing with Connie Cole that weekend. That'll be a lot of fun. Is I, that I haven't played with her since the MIM. No, it's going to be at Bodega. Okay. Bodega uh, 13 up in North Scottsdale. Okay. So that's that's going to be fun. Yeah. And then uh, I got recently uh, hired to go to Grand Rapids. And Michigan? Ba- yeah. Michigan would do like a Luis Palau festival. It's kind of oh, a cool. nice festival out there. And, and so they asked me to put the band together and, you know, direct the band. And Fantastic. So that's kind of fun. It's going to be a little different out of the ordinary. But other than that, every weekend there's something exciting. I like playing with the guys I play with. On Friday nights, we do Talking Stick and uh, a trio from 6 to 10, and then Sundays, 8 to 12. And Sundays is fun because I get to play bass. That's kind of fun. <laughs> I can understand that. Yeah. And listen, if people want to get a hold of you, what's the easiest way? My website, stanleyserrano.com. Okay. Yeah. You want to spell that for me? S-T-A-N-L-E-Y, like the tool, Stanley. Serrano, S-E-R-R-A-N-O.com. Fantastic. And you're on Facebook and you're a big Instagram guy, so people can follow you there, right? Yeah, it's fun. Uh, yeah, at Stanley Serrano. Same thing, my name. Oh, awesome. Check it out. Yeah. Man, can you believe an hour's gone by? No. We're like, this. <laughs> I know, it's like, da, 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 da. So I can't believe it. It's fun. Hey, man, thanks so much. Thank you, Otto. Uh, Appreciate I'm, it. I'm such a fan. You're such an incredible talent. Thank and you, I just man. wish you the best. Thank you, man. And I, I, I hope this show continues, man. This is awesome That's what you're doing for fun. Phoenix. I love it. It is. Thanks, Otto. Talk to you soon.